This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. Good morning. Welcome to episode number five of Go To Grandma. I'm Kathy Buckworth. Thanks for joining us again today. You're going to be so glad that you did. We all wear many hats. One that I love to wear, of course, is that of grandma. One that I've never even tried on is that of a gardener, or for that matter, a home decor expert. So you're going to be relieved to know that I have called in two women who wear these hats beautifully and expertly for what I'm calling our house and garden episode. And when I use the word expert, I'm not exaggerating. We have Jen Reynolds, gardener extraordinaire, as well as being the new editor-in-chief of Harrowsmith Magazine. She's going to tell us what we need to do to get our grandkids excited about what we can grow in our garden. And then we have Kimberly Selden, renowned interior designer, to help us transform our houses into safe and fun spaces for our grandkids to sleep over in. Gardening has never been my thing, but I can really appreciate a good garden. My parents, especially my mom, is an expert, and her garden was always loads of fun for my kids to discover. Hidden paths, little benches, and of course, garden animals scattered around, including a stone crocodile, a sea serpent, and a cat. The cat has made its way to our backyard at home, and what our grandson calls Oga Oga or Ogopogo is nicely settled at our cottage. Grandparents have to have garden animals, my 22-year-old daughter insists, and I kind of agree. If you're lucky enough to have a garden at your house, make sure you take full advantage of getting the grandkids out there in it. It's a great place for them to get dirty in the dirt and then maybe to get clean in a kiddie pool or a sprinkler. When my kids were little, summers were mostly spent in our backyard, where we are lucky enough to have a pool. They were in the water so much, it seemed a bit pointless to push them for a weekly bath or shower. But their hair, their hair was still dirty, so we started doing what we called a bath in a bucket. They would get out of the pool with their wet hair, I would quickly shampoo them up, then scoop out a bucket of water from the pool and dump it on their head. They'd jump back in. Done. We used to bathe our kids a lot, especially when they were babies. Was once a day too much? No, my dear friends, it was not back then. But today, babies are bathed far less often, with celebrities like Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis admitting they only wash their kids when they stink. Is this lazy parenting or smart water conservation better for your skin and hair parenting? I'm not sure, but whatever works, I love getting my grandkids in the bath for some good, clean fun. When my grandson Owen was an infant, my daughter was concerned about bathing him in the tub at the cottage because they hadn't brought along the baby bath. I simply laid him down on his back in an inch of tour water, and she called out to her husband, Brayden, come! My mom is giving Owen a bath without any contraptions. Is there anything better than a clean baby wrapped in a little hoodie towel? Well, maybe if you are lucky enough to be putting that grandbaby in a pair of pajamas and having them sleep over at your house. The grandparent-grandchild sleepover is a magical time. Or so I'm told. I've never been on one, as my grandparents all lived in England and we visited as a family en masse, which I don't think counts. And my grandsons haven't done it with me alone yet either, but I'm counting the days. And I'm also counting the number of things in my house that they could potentially get into trouble with, as well as where I would actually put them to sleep. Both of my grandsons sleep in total darkness, 
So often the three-month-old ends up napping in his bassinet in my bedroom closet. I'm looking forward to having my grandsons sleep over, but not as much as their Aunt Bridget, my youngest daughter, who has been planning this ever since her sister told her she was pregnant three years ago. Actually, maybe even since she announced her engagement. The anti-sleepover is one that I think will probably be even funner than the grandma sleepover, if I'm honest. After all, aunts are way cooler than grandparents, and Owen and Cam's only aunt happens to be a Marvel and Lego enthusiast. Pretty sure they'll enjoy that more than trying to figure out crossword clues with me. Luckily, the two grandkids are amazing sleepers. Owen at 22 months naps for three hours during the day and still goes to sleep from 7.30 to 7.30. Cam is only three months, and while he's still here and there with nap times during the day, he is putting in a regular nine hours at night. We will have a show on sleep strategies coming up in a few weeks, so make sure to look out for that. But in the meantime, let's look out and up at our two guests this week. Jen Reynolds takes us out into a perfect grandkid garden. And Kimberly Selden offers up the perfect sleepover style and solutions. I'm Kathy Buckworth, and you're listening to Go To Grandma on Zoomer Radio. Jen Reynolds has more than 20 years of experience in the magazine industry, which includes print and digital publishing in her roles of editor-in-chief at Canadian Living Magazine and at Canadian Family Magazine, on House and Home TV, CTV's Canada AM, and Chatelaine Magazine. This past July, Jen joined Harrowsmith Magazine as their editor-in-chief. This new role brings together her vast experience in reinventing media brands with marketing innovations and her passion for storytelling, gardening, food, home, sustainability, the environment, living simply, health and wellness, and this beautiful country we live in. Jen Reynolds, thanks for coming in studio with me. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me, Kathy. So we're in the studio, but our conversation is going to be about the outdoors and how we get our garden ready for our grandkids. I'm a self-confessed terrible gardener, as you know, so I really need to know the answers to these questions. So why is it a good thing to garden with our grandkids? Well, when we garden with our kids, it's really important to just let them know how to take care of the things around them, introduce them to all the plants, all of the flowers, all of the insects, and you can be students together. Sometimes when you get down to, you know, their level, if you're sitting on a bench and so that you're at the same eye level as them and you get to see the garden at the same level as they do, you get to see and experience nature at the same time. And I absolutely guarantee that you will see things in a totally different way when you look at the world through their eyes. So literally gardening gives us that excuse, gives us that activity time to be able to see the world through their eyes. And it will build incredible bonds when you are able to, you know, hey, look at how this plant is budding or blooming together, or we saw all of these monarch caterpillars on the milkweed. They will always remember those things when they were older. Whenever you, you know, whenever they see monarch caterpillars and monarch butterflies, they will always remember that that is something that they did with grandma and grandpa. And that will be beautiful, lasting memories. I love those points, especially the point about sitting on the bench together. My parents always had a garden bench. My Mm -hmm. kids would follow this little path and Mm -hmm. sit on it and they loved it. And now they're insisting we have 
have one in our back garden and the whole idea of seeing it at their level. I mean, I just, I love that. And I can do, gar- I can buy garden benches. That much, <laughs> that much gardening I can do. But how do I get started? What if I'm just starting out and putting together a garden? Well, you want to make it fun, not work. And you want to be able to look at the things that you already have growing around you in your garden. And you want to supplement that with storybooks and, you know, look at storybooks about forest creatures. Think about storybooks with butterflies and caterpillars. That was always one of my favorite ones with my son is a story about uh, caterpillars and how they metamorphosize into butterflies. And it's really cool when your grandkids can say metamorphosis <laughs> when they're really little, too. It's a very big party word. Um, so reading those books together, you know, looking at the, especially vegetables, if you're growing tomatoes and carrots and onions, you can see them popping through the earth. It's very exciting. So if, you know, if you don't have a garden like that, find a neighbor's garden or even find your nearby nature, going for a forest walk, being mm-hmm. able to look up and see the leaves and how the imprints of the leaves hit the sky and the contrast of the blue sky, just noticing things together and describing the world around you. And it's so, so interesting because you can, you know, talk to a child and, and you can say, this is a plant called a dogwood. And then ask a child to describe it. And they might say, this is a plant that has red sticks. And it's actually very interesting because our indigenous people in Canada describe plants like that too on their characteristics, on how they actually look in the garden. And I think the kids are the most just affected by the things that are around them. And they notice things that we don't and give us a whole new perspective. That's true. I mean, I always, you know, I don't know a lot about plants. My husband does, but he described, you know, look at the forsythia and I'm like, I'm not sure what I'm looking at. So <laughs> having a child described sort of mm-hmm. with the red sticks or the, mm-hmm. the pink petals or something like that helps you remember it a little bit too. I guess we've seen those before. We've seen them grow. And I love your idea about what if I don't have a garden? I mean, I might live in a condo. I yeah. might just not have the space for it. So finding either a you're right, that has maybe a little garden you can go to or getting out into some of our great gardens in Toronto or wherever you live is a fantastic idea. Absolutely. The public gardens are fantastic. And, you know, even going into the fall, they have beautiful flowers. You'll see the echinaceas that are full of butterflies. You'll see butterfly bushes that are full of butterflies and bees as well, too. And so, you know, the flowers are still wonderful and they'll last right until the first or second frost. But the leaves and the bark and the textures of everything and the bugs and crawling around the insects are fantastic. Whenever it rains, I always have the little kids on my street come into my garden instantly. They find all of the slugs and snails and they pick them out. So that's my organic bug control (laughs) thing is that all the little boys come and pick the snails out of my garden and they save them. So it is, you know, you know, you look at the cues of nature, you look at things like the sunrise, you look at the sunset, you look at the moon. When is the full moon going to be? My mom and my son have a beautiful relationship. Every time it's a full moon or a beautiful moon, they talk to each other about the moon and that, you know, nature isn't just plain and trees. It is the environment around us. And it's really important to notice all of those things and to appreciate them every single day. Love this. I never even thought about that. You're right, because we're coming into the fall and I'm thinking, you know, what can we do in our gardens? But you're right. It's not just the plants and the flowers and the things in the summer that look so great. It's all of the insects. And kids are 
fascinated by ants. I watched my grandson Owen follow an ant for about 10 minutes yesterday. And it's it's so cool. You know, he doesn't know what he's watching. He doesn't know it's any different than a toy, but he will. He's young right now. So that's a really good point. And bug collection, huge, right? Kids love that. Those little containers you can get with bugs in them. So all of those things. And there's movies that can help that conversation. So good you can point. take, it's a rainy day. You take your learnings and your conversations from the garden inside and you watch the movie Ants. Yeah, or, or it's a bug's life. life. I, you know, my favorite, the bee movie. <laughs> or the bee right? movie. Yeah, exactly. I love all of those movies. Those are great suggestions. So what's the favorite thing that you think your son appreciated about your garden growing up? Like, why was the garden a special place for you guys? I think because we made it a place that we all loved. He knew, um, he knows how much we love the garden, how um, we're happy in the garden. We mm-hmm. spend a lot of uh, leisure time in the garden. It's definitely a bit of work, but everyone is happy when we're in the garden. We're happy when we're in nature. It's, you know, it's, that science tells us that we're happier when we are surrounded by plants, when we're surrounded by living things. And I think that that is constantly a lesson that we need to pass on to all generations, especially with, you know, what we are seeing around us with climate change. We need to appreciate, we need to understand and love the beauty that's around us. We don't have to know how to name everything. We don't have to know how to solve all of the big problems. But if we take the small steps of learning and loving and appreciating what's around us, that will be a huge, huge boon for the future. And you raise a great point too about the science of it all because in you know the last year, the kids haven't been able to get onto field trips. Mm-hmm. They haven't been able to get you know out with their science teachers as much as they might have in the past. So acting as sort of science teachers for them, you know, where we can actually and, and doing that outdoors, it's got to be helpful for everyone and making it come alive then when they get back into the classroom. Exactly. And even when you're going on a nature hike, collect seeds and save them for next year. When you're going on a nature hike, collect twigs that maybe the twig looks like something you can make it into a craft. Pods and petals and pine cones, all of those sort of things, you know, don't rob from nature, but collect some mementos and you can make all kinds of crafts. Take that onto Pinterest and you'll see nature crafts that you can make together. And it really is a wonderful thing. And speaking of Pinterest, Jen, mm-hmm. where can we find examples of, of your gardening and things that are happening on social? Where do we find you? You can find me at JN Reynolds on uh, Pinterest, on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook. And you can definitely find me at Harrowsmith Magazine as well too. So at Harrowsmith Mag on all of our social channels. And definitely if you're planning your garden with your grandkids for next year, you want to pick up a copy of Harrowsmith's Fall Almanac. It is on newsstands right now. And it is going to give all of the weather predictions for next year in your region. So whenever you're planting your crops in your gardens, then that is your resource to do that. And thank you for giving me a copy today. I'm going to be using that. Thanks for coming in, Jen. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Kathy. Kimberly Selden is a designer, broadcaster, and writer who advocates for spaces that celebrate the people who live in them. Educated at California State University and trained in Toronto, she has been in private practice since 1991. Based in Toronto and Los Angeles, the award-winning Kimberly Selden Design Group today creates exceptional living spaces for exceptional people throughout North America. In 2004, Kimberly founded Business of Design, an online learning platform for independent designers, to share what she's learned about how professionalism powers creativity. She continues to coach and speak to aspiring designers around the world and to be inspired by their passion. 
Welcome, Kimberly. So glad to have you in studio with me. I'm so excited to see you. It is so exciting. I can see your whole face, too. I know, right? It's like instead of just the Zoom head or whatever, we can actually see the whole person, which the is whole exciting. Person, which is phenomenal. It is. And what's exciting, too, is that a lot of grandparents are now getting to spend time with their grandkids. A lot of, you know, we're, we've got our vaccinations, our safety protocols are in place. So guess what? The kids are coming, <laughs> and maybe they're coming for a sleepover. Oh, no. uh, Like, so... I, you know, I do have my grandsons over all the time, but some grandparents don't. So, you know, should I bother childproofing the house? Does it have to be ugly? <laughs> oh, wow. So first of all, I don't have any grandkids. I have two fur baby dogs right. that live in Los Angeles. And when I go there, I act like a crazy grandmother and I refer to myself as Lola. So that's my grandma that's shtick grandma to name. my dogs, okay. Lola. I don't even know where that came from. <laughs> so I've never had that experience of like, oh my God, the kids are coming. Like first thing I think you would do is you would hide your vibrator, right? Because that shouldn't be out in the open. Kimberly. You don't want the kids to be playing with it. No, that would be awkward. awkward. So beyond that, what do you ask me? Like, should you childproof your house? I think, doesn't it depend on your relationship with your grown child? Like, and aren't grown children these days kind of dictatorial when it comes to what they need to be safe and comfortable in your home for children? I think that's a really good point. And start with them. Say, you know, here, look, I've got this marble fireplace. I have this coffee table with a sharp edge. How would you suggest, you know, we deal with that with the toddler? Right. And we listen, something like that, obviously, we're going to do whatever it takes to add the bumper pads and make that safe Mm -hmm. because we don't want to have an accident like that. But how far do you go with it? Like, and I don't, you know, again, like, I think it depends kind of on your relationship with your child. And it depends on how much do you want those grandkids to come over all the time? This is a great point. My mom used to have a Torquay pottery collection out in their house. And the rule with my kids was, well, just don't touch it, which is easy enough when they're old. But it was kind of tricky before. So we would just keep them out of that room as the parents, right? So I envision myself to be the kind of grandmother who's like, no, I want those kids. Oh, by the way, I did not say grandmother, Lola. I'm training myself now. I'm training my children. I'm going to be the kind of Lola who completely prepares the house so the kids can come over day and night. Because I just imagine that that's the most wonderful thing in the world. And so I'm going to let go of a lot of the things that I enjoy now, which is like a white sofa, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, I'm just not going to worry about that if I want my kids to visit all the time. I think that's great advice. And maybe, you know, for future purchases, if you know there's grandkids, you would buy the softer edge hassock instead of the, you know, marble coffee table or whatever. Right. So now I've got the kids, so I'm comfortable. They're in their space. They're coming for a sleepover. Um, Some of us might still have spare bedrooms in our house. So, you know, do we have to spend a lot of money to convert a spare bedroom into a kid-friendly room? Should we spend a lot of money? Gosh, I hope so, because I'm going to be totally out of business if I answer this question any other way. We do a lot of exactly what you're talking about, and you can spend a fortune. Do you have to? No, absolutely not. You never want to put your financial health at risk as we're aging, right? Mm -hmm. It's really important that we have enough. And the most important thing, of course, is that they're safe and that you create an environment where everybody feels comfortable and lovely. You you don't have to go crazy and spend a lot. There are now at a variety of different price points, beds that are really flexible. They go from like crib to like, you know, bed with the sides to like remove the sides, add a trundle. Like there are things you can do to create kind of a flexible grow with me kind of a space. And then, you know, we live in a, a land of plenty. Like 
I, I'm not shy at all if a client is getting rid of something. In fact, we just had a client get rid of two adorable children's beds from CB2. I offered them up to somebody else I knew. And so she was able oh. to take those. So don't be shy about letting everybody know that you're on the hunt for something wonderful to convert a bedroom. That is a really great tip because you're right. Not only the grow with me because, yeah, they start little, they get big, as yes, we know. But also do. you're right. They outgrow things and maybe you're downsizing or moving or maybe somebody you know is and they can let you have those beds and those cribs. Absolutely. But I do also, I mean, I recognize I'm, I'm super selfish right now. It's just my husband and I at home. We have a gym set up. You know what I mean? I'm going to ha- I'm going to have to let that go. I'm going to have to sacrifice that thing. <laughs> so, I think it matters a lot how important it is for, you know for them to be over all the time. My mother-in-law put a pool in and that was pure bribery yeah. and it worked. Yeah. It's pure bribery. Yeah, of course. Let me tell you, we it's have a brilliant. pool. I'm so excited. And we get the kids over for that. But you raise a good point if we maybe had the luxury of having, I don't know, a sewing room or a room <laughs> no whatever it is or a special the TV meditation room. Meditation room. Meditation <laughs> room. You don't have a meditation I do room. Not. In oh. fact, what's funny is you mentioned the the gym is my gym. I'm doing this in quotation marks. Is the family room where my weights are side by side with a Fisher Price phone, with a drum set, <laughs> with a little fire engine. You know that we have our. You know, but yeah, you learn to combine your spaces, and it's it's a grandma space now. It's not a magazine where they, you know, this way it never was. But um, you're right. We have to look at ways to make them feel more comfortable so they'll want to stay over. Right. And I do think you want to create a separate space for the kids too so they can feel, especially as they get older, they want to have their own space at grandma or granddad's house where they can really relax. Yeah. And I would imagine that you're also paying attention to if, if you have a partner and there's other grandparents mm-hmm. involved, like I'm going at one up. I don't care what they do. <laughs> if they put it in a pool, I'm putting in a, a splash pad. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Epcot Center, my backyard. Be there. <laughs> I don't care. Whatever it takes. Oh my God. I can bring my grandkids to your house when you have them. They're going to have a blast. But you know, my house, is it my house, my rules? So let's say my daughter comes over, let's theoretically, she comes over and says, my kids have to sleep in total darkness. She does this. So often my three-month-old grandson sleeps in my walk-in closet because it's the darkest room. But if he were to come for a sleepover, she would be garbage bag taping over the windows, which we do at the cottage and whatever. I'm okay with it. I think, I again, I'm protecting the relationship, as you talked with. I think we do have to make those accommodations. You don't have to, but what's it going to do to your relationship with your grown child, right? I mean, how worthwhile is that fight? Right. And the reality is, for me, it wouldn't be worthwhile. It used to be when the kids were little, Johnny wants to paint his bedroom black. Like, I can't abide by that. Are you kidding? Paint it black. Who cares? Yeah. I just wouldn't fight over little things like that. But, you know, there are grandparents parents, I'm sure, who are like, no, it's my way or the highway. My parents were like that. There's, like, They didn't accommodate anything. Yeah, no, I think we've changed in that regard, too, because I think you're right now. We look to protect the relationship. I guess I can get her some uh, blackout blinds, which then it's like, you know, I don't, you know what, garbage bags in the window, I'm fine with it. It uh, looks a little no. like I'm having a hostage <laughs> situation. Okay, invest in some paper blackout blinds or whatever. Whatever, and some mood lighting. Well, you always have great suggestions on how to change an existing space into something more stylish or functional. And so where can we get more of these tips online with you? Oh, gosh, please do reach out to me. I'm on Instagram, Kimberly Selden, or our website, Kimberly Selden Design. And I'm happy to help. Oh, thank you so much. And when you get the splash pad in, I'm there. Thanks a lot, Kimberly. It's a joke, but actually a true fact in our house that I once picked a paint color over the phone. When we had our kitchen renovated, I was asked what I wanted on the cabinets and drawers. What, like to open them? Handles? Isn't it the renovator's job to pick these things? 
I'm pretty sure the only piece of home decor I've picked out in our house is a movie-style popcorn maker, which my husband has hidden in the basement somewhere. Outdoors, I'm not much better. My husband is the gardener, and I'm the pool maintenance person. We all have our strengths. And my strength today was having Jen Reynolds and Kimberly Selden on the show to help those of us who are design and function challenged indoors and outdoors make the most of our homes for when our grandchildren come to visit. I hope you all learned something. I know I did. I learned I need to invite Jen and Kimberly around to my house so they can work their magic there. Next week's show is a truly special one, which will air the day before National Grandparents Day. I know most of Toronto radio listeners know Aaron Davis, who was the voice in the morning for so many years. Most of us also knew about the day Aaron lost her only daughter, who passed away in her sleep, her seven-month-old baby sleeping just down the hall. Lauren Davis's tragic passing was felt by all in the Toronto radio community and in the cities of Toronto and Ottawa, where Lauren lived and worked on the whole. Next week, Erin will share with us her remarkable grandparent journey with baby Colin, who's now six, and his little sister as her family expands in unique and loving ways. If you haven't read her best-selling book, Morning is Broken, I encourage you to do so before our chat. Next week, we will also talk about the best audiobook recommendations from Kobo, including Erin's book, which is read by Erin with an intro by Jan Arden, and we will launch our RBC Take 5 series. One more thing before I go. If you're a lover of the Toronto Symphony Orchestra, as I am, please consider supporting the Toronto Symphony Volunteer Committee and helping to meet their $50,000 fundraising goal in the Scotiabank Toronto Waterfront Marathon. Go to tsvc.ca for more details. Please join us next week, and until then, enjoy your grand journey. I'm Kathy Buckworth, and you've been listening to Go To Grandma on Zoomer Radio. Share your thoughts on this show with us. You can find Kathy on Twitter at Kathy Buckworth or email her, Kathy at KathyBuckworth.com. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.